Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You can be
Lord, we confess our body to healing, whether they look like it or not. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we're overcomers. And right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, let no one leave this place unchanged. In the precious name of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Glory. I want to lay a little bit of a foundation. You know, the Bible says that Jesus fought Satan really in the spiritual realm instead of the natural realm. There were a lot of people when Jesus walked this earth that left off from following him because what they were looking for was a political leader. You can go back and just kind of do a little bit of Bible reading, a little bit of historical research, and you'll begin to find out that's exactly why many of them were disenchanted with Jesus. Because they were looking for someone to come in. In their mind, Messiah was going to come in and overthrow the Roman government the tyrants of their day, the actually illegitimate government, because Israel was supposed to be a nation under God. Oh man, I'm here to preach. And they they couldn't understand the suffering of Jesus. And they didn't comprehend it when Jesus would say he was going to the cross. But Jesus was fighting in the spiritual realm rather than in the natural realm. And when Jesus really went to the cross, he won a much greater victory than just a temporary, a temporary reprieve from governmental bondage and gave us an eternal deliverance and reprieve from the bondage of sin and death. Nobody say amen. Amen. Yeah. We've all probably heard some sermons, or eventually you will hear some sermons, on Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. If you're familiar with that passage of Scripture, immediately after Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, He was sent by the Spirit of God into the wilderness, and He was tempted of the devil. And we know that what He used against Satan was... The Word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. We also know that really there was a powerful spiritual warfare that took place. And some people miss this. But I just need to kind of share it just a little bit this morning. Some people miss this when Jesus was on the cross. When Jesus looked down and said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do, concerning really the Roman soldiers, and not only them, but the, the, the Jews, the Sanhedrin, those that had orchestrated this whole thing that put him on that cross. Jesus saying, forgive them, that, that wasn't empty words. One of the most powerful spiritual weapons you've got is forgiveness, church. And you say, well, yeah, but you just don't understand what they did to me. It doesn't matter what they did. In the final bottom line of it, really, it's Satan anyway. So you forgive them. That doesn't mean you stay there and let them keep kicking you. Come on, that's right. But at the same time, you forgive them. See, it's all about you being set free from bondage. Unforgiveness is like hitting your own thumb with a hammer over and over again. The guy you're mad at that saying, See, doesn't that hurt? Doesn't that hurt? <laughs> so there's a lot of things that deal really with how in the world do we fight the devil? And really right here, I could just you know, go ahead and uh, if you're not coming on Wednesday night, and it's really interesting to me, you know, I remember years ago, Sunday night was the big night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody who's, uh, you came Sunday night. You didn't want to miss Sunday night. I mean, you guarantee you, if you missed that Sunday night, that be the night that somebody got healed, that there was, you know, that, that's, I mean, that move of God that just everybody in the house got yeah. refilled with the Holy Ghost. That's 
And you know, he didn't. And, and I don't know, it seems almost like God saying, you know what, I'm going to change that. We're going to do Wednesday night. <laughs> but if you're not coming on Wednesday nights, you need to come. Amen. And Sister Creed is doing an awesome job teaching on the armor of God. And it all deals with spiritual warfare. And that's kind of what we're talking about this morning. The title of this message is, you know, how to fight the devil. And my friends really had to overcome. And, you know, it, it all really kind of falls from this this thought and I, maybe it's just me but somehow I kind of feel like this fits more than one of us in here this morning you know you kind of get to these points where you just feel like you're at the end of the rope and somebody said tie a knot the end of the rope and hang on it <laughs> I remember the illustration a long time ago that was way back in the days when they had dirigibles and if you don't know what a dirigible is do you google due diligence Say that thing down to a place. And uh, it's just a great big helium-filled balloon, usually kind of cigar-shaped. And way back when those were real popular, they were getting ready to do some things with one, and they had, instead of anchoring it down, they were getting ready to release it, but they had, oh my goodness, you know, I, I don't even know, that it could have been 50 to 100 people holding on to ropes. And they were all holding on to it, and that seemed to be enough to anchor it and keep it held down. And then all of a sudden, just this unexpected gust of wind came up from nowhere, and it started lifting these people literally off the ground. Now, it would have been okay if everybody would have held on, but they didn't. They just went ahead and turned it loose, you know, about 8 to 10 feet off the ground, well, what that did is it meant that a whole lot of the rest of them couldn't. And anyway, back along the shore, it, it just quickly that balloon lifted on up into the air where it was a couple hundred feet up. And there were people just dangling on those ropes. And the sad thing was, and you won't get too graphic on this, that eventually, one by one, they began to drop off. They just couldn't hold on to them. But there was one guy, and they could see him way up there. And he was just still hanging, still hanging, still hanging. Well, eventually, they were able to get that balloon back down to the ground. And what they discovered is that what he had done is he had taken and he had got enough length of rope behind him, and he flipped it up, and he managed to tie himself a knot. And, and so he had a loop under his arms or wherever, and, and he was able just to then just kind of holding on, but really the rope was holding him. Uh, the moral of that story, y'all, is, you know, instead of just trying to hold on by your own strength, Come on. Let, just, just wrap, the, wrap the Lord around you and let him hold you. Because right. your strength didn't strong enough. Amen? That's right. Cool. But well, what do we do when we reach the end of the road? When, when the event happens, there's lots of the events. There's all kinds of things that happen in our life. It can be a, a health crisis. It can be a financial crisis. It can be the death of a loved one. It, it can be all sorts of things. But there are events that happen when our emotions and, and everything just kind of starts going Every which direction of I me, mean, it's like that roller coaster at Silver Dollar City or Silver Dollar City or whatever you call it. But, you know, just, I mean, inside out, upside down, and the whole nine yards. And, and what do we do? How do we fight the devil whenever that event really does take place? When stuff just comes along and you go, you know, I, God, I, I can't go on anymore. Well, there was one of those events that took place in the life of Jesus. And I'm not talking about the cross. But in Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to read this to you. And I want you just to kind of capture this, and then we're going to get into it just a little bit. And God, God, God stirred something inside of me with this. Amen. So we got somewhere we're going. Matthew chapter 14, verse 1. At, the, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch 
further reports about Jesus and he said to his attendants, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. In other words, Herod was with his brother Philip's wife. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests. Y'all, she wasn't doing walks. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, let that sing in. He ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his, took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. I want you to kind of get the setting of what's happening right here. First off, John the Baptist was part of Jesus' family on his mother's side. Remember Mary and Elizabeth were cousins? That meant that Jesus and John were second cousins. So literally, there was a family tie there. Secondly, not only were they really close family, but there was a deep spiritual connection. You might just remember the Bible says that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. Man, we could get off on the subject of killing the unborn, couldn't we? That's a child. That's a human being. That's a sprite. Okay, I'm going to go. But there was a spiritual connection. John literally was raised up by God to be the forerunner for Messiah. To prepare the way for him that was to come. And it was John who had the spiritual discernment that looked up and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John had more spiritual insight than anybody else at that particular time. So when John was murdered, literally after a drunken, sensuous party, Jesus, like any normal human being would have been, he was upset. Uh, and you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't see all that in the Bible. Well, what you do see, it says in Matthew 14, 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. In other words, Jesus wanted to get away from people. He wanted to get away from the crowds. He needed a break from ministry. And he, he, he slipped off into a place somewhere that was out of the city. When they say wilderness, uh, you know, he didn't... He, he just went somewhere outside of the town area. But it's interesting because the Bible then also later tells us that the people found out where he was. And this was at the height of Jesus' popularity. And when they found out where he was, then the crowd began just gathering. I mean, I'm not talking about just a little bit of the crowd. You're going to see that in just a minute. But there were thousands upon thousands of people that gathered men and women and children. And they were all sitting just somewhere that they were gathered there. And you know, the thing is, we're going to get into this in just a second. But Jesus began to do something very different than what we would think that probably, well, to be real honest, he probably did a whole lot different than what you or I did. And you know, I can't help but think like this, that just maybe, just maybe, that the devil thought he had really won a victory. 
And you know, the devil's cunning, but he's not real smart. And I really think the devil thought that Jesus would probably respond like most of us would. Because how would most of us probably respond? I don't care if you're a minister. If you had a family member that had been murdered in a very vicious manner and all like that, you know, uh, maybe Satan just thought that Jesus would be so grieved and so hurt that maybe he'd go ahead and just blame God. You know, I mean, it's, it's just God's fault. God, why could you allow this to happen? I mean, John was one of the one of the good guys. God, how could you do this? Always gets me to say, you know, it, it's God's fault. God did it. God made you sick to teach you something. Well, what are you going to the doctor for? Stay sick and learn? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And if God was going to make you sick, how would he do it? Speak something over you? God said he sent his word and healed them. Yeah, mm. that's right. Come on. Now, will God use sickness or will God use a negative thing or something that happens to teach us? Sure, God will. He use it. God didn't put it on. Okay. That's right. I'm preaching you. That's right. You know, maybe Jesus would have thought something like, well, you know, he had every right to feel angry and, and, and maybe even forsaken. And... But God doesn't do that. It might even seem like it would be the right thing to do. Why not just go get an army together? I mean, at this point in his popularity, all Jesus would have had to have done was said, you know, folks, gonna go home and get your swords. We're going to storm that castle. We're going to teach this here a lesson. I don't think he would have had enough men to fight them. Not in the garrison that was there. Not if they all rose up. But that wasn't the battle that God had set Jesus to do. Somebody say amen. amen. But it would have been the natural thing to do. But Jesus, instead of retaliating in the natural, Jesus retaliated. Jesus fought in the spiritual. You say, well, I, I don't see that in that book. No, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I don't see any. You know, he's not stomping up and down and screaming and yelling at the devil. And, you know, and, and I'm not saying that there's not times when <laughs> it might just be you some good screaming, stomping, yelling at the devil. That's right. Amen. But what we do watch is Jesus beginning to retaliate in the spirit realm instead of in the natural realm. Now I want you to notice something in verse 14 of Matthew 14. Hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. You read this same account in the Gospel of Mark and you find out that he taught them and then he healed them. He preached the word and he taught and then he healed them. Amen. I'm talking about retaliating in the realm of the spirit. He taught them and then he healed them. Jesus began to retaliate in the spiritual realm but he didn't retaliate by doing something wild and crazy and, uh, I mean some people may think healing and all that is kind of crazy but Jesus did exactly what hurt the devil the most. Jesus began to minister to the people and right where they were, Jesus began to do miracles. And Jesus began to see the sick healed. He began to see you know, demons cast out. I'm sure there were those that, were, that came with all manner of sickness and all manner of illness and whatever it was, there were thousands upon thousands healed. How do you know how there were thousands, brother? Don't? Because if you keep right on reading, Right after that, Jesus fed the 5,000 and said, well, wow, that's 5,000. But sometimes we miss some stuff. There were 5,000 men. They counted the men. So if you count women and children, there could have easily been 10,000. Right. Easily been 15,000 people there. 
And then not only did he minister to the healing needs that were there, Jesus began to feed them. Because he took some kids' lunch and fed probably up to 10 to 15,000 people with one kid's sack lunch. Y'all, what we got to understand right here is that God Almighty wants us to really hit the devil where it hurts. When Satan throws stuff at you and the world is coming at you and just even if you're not going through some kind of crisis event on your own right now, I guarantee you our world is going through a crisis event. And people are going through a crisis event. And you may not know exactly who they are, but somebody you meet in Walmart or somebody you meet at the gas station, and especially like that, you, you, maybe you're, you're sitting there filling up your tank, and as you fill up your tank, you're sitting there watching the dollars spin faster than the gallons. And the guy next to you is sitting there, and he's using some extremely explicit language as he watches those dollar bills go, <clears throat> because, I mean, this is really cutting in, man. <laughs> They're not going to be going out for Saturday night or Sunday afternoon lunch at the cafeteria because we got to use that money for the gas tank to be able to get back and forth to work. And I mean, he's just ranting there and he's carrying on it. And not only that, but they got these doctor bills and, and they got this other stuff going on. And you just got to look at him and the Spirit of God says, Go over and pray for that guy. And you take one look at him and you, you kind of look at how rough he looks and you go, I don't know if I want to go there and pray for him. He looks bad enough to hit anybody or whatever he's trying to do anything or not. And Lord says, well, then just go over there and pray for him. Yes, and then pray for him. Hmm. Now, the thing about it is, y'all, he said, how's that? You're getting Satan. Where Satan is hurting them, has held them in bondage, has held them in fear, has held them in unforgiveness. When you begin to do the things that Jesus did, you're retaliating in the spirit instead of the natural. And you're beginning to hurt Satan where it hurts. You ever stop and think about I mean, here was Jesus with all of this going on in him. And I'm sure as a man, Jesus was hurting emotionally, just almost on a physical level from the death of his cousin. But the Bible says he moved, he was moved with compassion. Now, I do not believe for one minute that that means that Jesus had all these warm, fuzzy feelings that just made him feel all wishy-gushy. The Bible says God is love. <coughs> Very simple. Jesus was moved by the Father. He was moved not by the feeling of love. Now those emotions can come later. But Jesus was moved by love himself. And Jesus began to minister to the people. He began to minister to the people. You know, the devil should have left him alone. If Satan really was as intelligent as he should have been, number one, he, he never would have sent Jesus to the cross, but he wouldn't even have done this. Because whenever Satan hits us the hardest and hits us the strongest. I really believe that's when we come back with the greatest miracles. I really believe that's when God begins to stir some things within us. And as we begin to respond in the Spirit, we begin to see God begin to do things. We need to be moved by love. Somebody say amen. We need to preach and teach the good news. Anywhere and everywhere. I said the gas station, Walmart. I used, I used to say that years ago, you know, it didn't matter if you were between the tie and the Tupperware. And then Judy said, listen, I don't sell Tupperware. No, no. But, but whether, whether it's the tie or the... 
Yeah, well, whatever. Run the painter. Whatever it is, or the, the Fritos and the soda pop, or whatever it is. I, the, there's going to be people you're going to meet somewhere. God's going to put them across your path and minister to them. You <coughs> say, no, you don't understand. I mean, I've heard so much Jesus. But no, I've got my own problems. In the natural, so did Jesus. But instead of being moved by those negative things, he was moved by the Spirit of the living God. Yes. You know, the Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Not oppressed by God, oppressed by the devil. That's right. It was something that was good, what he did. Amen? Y'all, we need, we need to be preaching and teaching the good news. We need to be laying hands on people so that they're healed. And there's going to be times God may just use you to feed somebody. He may use your sack lunch. He may help you with, with the food you got in your house. I, I, hmm, I, I'm going to go ahead and go ahead. I think that a lot of people don't realize some of the things that are happening. And I've told people for a long time, you need to be prepared. You need to do some preparation. Joseph set food aside, and I think we ought to be Josephs, and I think we ought to be wise. I don't think there ought to be anybody who doesn't have at least several weeks to several months worth of food stored in their house. They say, well, brother, no, no, you don't have it. Well, what if the economy just totally crashes? What if this happens? What if that happens? And what, what, would happen? what would we do if we had war come on us like Ukraine has coming into them right now? Most people would be so devastated if, if even if they tried to stay home or, or hunker down, that you know, what would you do? Grocery stores weren't available. Yeah, you're saying, do we need to go out and build a you know forty foot underground bunker and uh, you know store up <laughs> all of the stuff that goes bang bang and all that kind of thing? Well. Let me put it this way. Store up for a storm. The story that you're doing is not something that's going to see you through the worst of any of the worst, but I guarantee you what it will do is it'll lessen an impact. And on top of that, it gives you something to share where there's somebody else. Yeah, but I, I stored that for me. No. Storing it for the ones that you can help. And you know what? I've watched God spread the food. We, we, we had a event at our church years and years ago. And I remember being told later, we were running out of food and we had more people than we had food to serve them. And ladies began to pray. And it was like God just multiplied the green beans and taters, y'all. And everybody got fed. Amen. So, you know, they're, they're... I'm just kind of saying, Lord, how, how, do I, how do I put this across? Because y'all do. There's an anointing upon us when we begin to move really in the realm of the spirit instead of trying to fight in the natural. When you just get mad at people and you want to be angry at anybody and everybody and you don't want to forgive and you want to just hold grudges and, and on top of that you want to just give them a piece of your mind and some of us have given away pieces of our mind until we don't have one left and you know, you're just struggling with you know, all of the anger and all the junk. We're just falling right in Satan's trap. Right. And I really believe that what God is saying to us in this day and in this hour right now in 2022 
God's telling us we need to be prepared and we need to have our hearts so in tune with the Spirit of God that even though the, uh, a tragedy happens, even though big events take place and, and, and just world-shattering things, at least shattering our world, we're able to come back and we're able to, to minister to the needs of other people because there's people that are just struggling. And there's people that don't have what you and I have. Now, y'all, we've got the answer. We've got the good news that Jesus loves you. You may be a sinner. You may be a rotten, stinky, no good person. <laughs> but you know what? God loves you. And God's not holding that against you. And there's a whole lot of people that would turn to God, but they the devil has lied to them, and they've got this mindset that, oh, no, you know what I mean? I... I <coughs> You know, I, I, I'm just too bad. I'm too wicked. I'm too mean. I'm too whatever. I've done too much. God still forgives. Matter of fact, God's not holding your sin against you. And He's already presented the good news that Jesus is reconciled yes, to God. Yes. And all you got to do is receive that. Hallelujah. And when you do that, all of it's washed away. And y'all, I mean, when last couple of days, as this has just been rolling over in the inside of me, it's just a thing that's just stirred me. And, and I, did, I, I don't want to get away from it. Lord, I want to be where you can use me. Lord, I want to be where no matter where I am, no matter what what's going on, it, no matter what, what's happening in our crazy upside down, sideways world, I've got the, I've got something I can minister to somebody Amen. else. And I can see bondage broken. Mm -hmm. And I can see people delivered. I don't know if you've ever done that enough. Sometimes I think you need to just take a Bible story like Jesus feeding that 5,000 <coughs> ministering to the needs of those people that are there and just start thinking about here's, here's out on a, a hillside and all these people just sitting around and Jesus is, is teaching and, and he's sharing with them the timeless truths of what God is doing. He's sharing from the Old Testament prophets how he would come and he would he would he would minister to them and that there would be deliverance and that, that you know God would take away the stony heart out of them and he would give them a heart of flesh and how God was going to literally change them from the inside out. And the more Jesus talked, the more it began to stir something on the inside of them. And then Jesus began to heal the sick. And he began to, I, I don't know, you've been in service like that where, I mean, the Spirit of God began to move. And just, you know, God began to stir. And God would begin to say, you know, well, there, there, there's this one. And, and hmm. Come on. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. There's somebody here this morning. You've got something wrong with your stomach. Now, I, I'm not doing this for a fact. You've got something wrong with your stomach. And God wants to heal you. Uh -uh. I want you to stand up right where you are. you got something wrong with your stomach. And God wants to heal you. Who's God talking to this morning? I've had a stomach bug for the last two days. No, this one's wrong. It's just Crystal, you and Judy and Frida and Jamie. Right here. Y'all go get it out there. I want you to lay hands. Satan should have just left us alone. Just start praying for it right now. Just start praying for it. Mm. Lord. Lord. Father, we just give you praise right now. Thank you for the healing and anointing that's flowing in this place right now. Thank you, Jesus. For what you brought to Thank you. You see, it's when we begin to move in the Spirit that God begins to serve. And God begins to serve. 